This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call Have you ever been blacklisted from a restaurant? Have you ever been denied a booking at a restaurant because maybe you didn't show up last time? We're going to explore that today. Um, it's nice to be back in the studio it's with my buddy Tad as well. Uh, all that, we've got that coming up, uh, plus so much more. We're going to start uh, today exploring the connection between our gay community and food as well here in Melbourne. Good afternoon. Um, our buzzword today may not be cravings, Tad. No, it might not be. It might be more blacklisting. It could be. We are Tad Lombardo and Pete Dillon. This is Cravings on Joy 94.9. It's four minutes past one on your radio station. Delighted to be with you for the next hour as we unpack a bit of an issue that's affecting our community, um, our food community. And that is that... Uh, there's a bit of an epidemic that's costing the Australian restaurant industry, it is alleged, about $75 million yep. a year in no-shows, people who book and don't show up. It's a huge problem. And mm. I, I think um, it's, it's one of those situations where in the food industry, it, it hasn't really been dealt with until now. You know, the other industries, it is, has been dealt with, like in the airlines or insurance. And, you well, know, if you don't show up for your flight, you pay for it. That's right. And, and everyone accepts that as being the norm. Mm. And oh. one, of, one of the things that I support, when Prefix opened, for example, yeah. where you pre-purchased your tickets to dinner. Right. Um, so I, th- I think that is one of, the, one of the solutions. The other is what um, Australia's number one online restaurant booking website, Dimmy. We've spoken to Dimmy before in this program. I think actually back when Dimmy released. Right. When, when yep. it first came to the with, uh, with Stephen Primutico. Um, so Dimmy has released some data regarding no-shows. Uh, there's been a... Th- 
well, we, perhaps we should talk to Jared Chapman, who is the yep. general manager of Dimmy, and start to unpack this discussion. Definitely. Uh, he joins us on the phone. Jared, good afternoon. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good, thank Hi, you. Hi, Jared. Um, how long has Dimmy been in operation? Let's let's get on to Dimmy first. Uh, seven years. Seven years. So, yes, we did. I remember doing an interview on this show when it launched, which all of a sudden is aging me quite a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so, Jared, this research that, that Dimmy, did you undertake this research or did you go searching for this data or is this just a bit of a data dump from, from what your service is able to provide? Uh, it's always something that Stephen's been very, very passionate about and, uh, and we, we try and stay in touch with all our restaurant partners and find out what their, uh, what their trials and tribulations are. So this is always something that's a, a pretty big topic. So about a year ago, or maybe just a little bit more, Dimmy introduced a product that allows restaurant partners um, or restaurants to blacklist customers who don't show up. Is Obviously, this is not people who just don't show up once or forget they've got a booking. Is this serial no-shows, or, is, or can it be as simple as um, you didn't show up for your booking last Thursday for the restaurant in Hawthorne, you're out? Well, it's always up to the discretion of the restaurant owner. I mean, like they're they're in the business to make money, and I I, I would imagine that it's not easy to fill a restaurant all week. So I'm sure that they're not just like willy nilly blacklisting everyone. Um, so, but there aren't any like uh, rules or guidelines as to how many times you don't show up before you get blacklisted. And I'm sure there's also some good reasons why people don't show up. It, it could be something dramatic that's happened to them, and obviously those are certain situations that need to be dealt with in on an individual basis. And um, Obviously, the restaurants have an op- an opportunity to blacklist or not. Mm. Um, but I but think, Ted, if you if, if yeah. I invited you to my house for dinner, yep. and something dramatic happened, you had yep. a car accident, you fell off your bike, <laughs> choose choose something dramatic. You or or, or somebody yep. who's coming with you, or somebody would would say, "Shit, I've got to I've got to send Peter text or ring Pete and say yeah. I'm not going to make it to dinner because you know that I'm home slaving over a hot stove." That's right. So it's the same amount of respect it that is. has to be applied to restaurants. Would you agree with that, Jared? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And it's um, we, we've tried to make it as easy as possible. And it's not it's not cancellations that are killing the industry. It's, it's the actual just not showing up at all. So if if you're to make a booking three or four days out, um, things do come up. We definitely appreciate that that our consumers do lead lives, and sometimes, like you said, um, oh, you might be working late. The babysitter can't get yeah. there, or, yeah. or what? You know, you've you've had a bit of a bingle in the car or something. I mean, I think that the courtesy part of this is is not the the bit that we need to talk about. It is the fact that people are booking, you know, two, three, some, up to five restaurants, and then deciding at the last minute which one they're going to eat at. Yeah, and that's and that's what we're trying to put a stop to. I mean, we we do try and help uh, as much as we can. We make it easy to cancel the booking. I mean, that's not the the desired outcome, obviously. But I mean, all we're trying to say is like, hey guys, we know it's a problem for the restaurants. It does hurt them more than you might think. Um, so if if you can't make it, just jump on your email, click the cancellation link, and let them like give them a chance to to fill the table. And I'm assuming this is something that's clearly explained to to diners as they're making their reservation isn't it and and you know and, and what would the time frame be um before a cancellation is made versus being blacklisted in it? and i know it's a situation too where you're it's only happening to people who are serial offenders um but what's the um the the status on that side of things the the time frame of what sorry like well, before you get blacklisted yeah i mean it, it, if it happens once i'm assuming that's not going to equate to an, an immediate blacklisting um, I can't imagine restaurants would be doing that to their customers. Yeah. I mean, we, we all would imagine that we, we dine pretty frequently at, at restaurants. You kind of the, the restaurants get to know their customers. I mean, if you don't show up once, you can turn up to fifteen of the last bookings, and not just going to turn you off straight away. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, their goal is to look after their customers as well. But this is, yeah, for people that are continuously doing it, we're just trying to give the restaurants a chance to kind of make sure that they're, they're getting their tables filled. Jared Chapman is our guest. He's the general manager of Dimmy, which is an online booking service. Jared, I'm quite staggered by the numbers, and I wonder if you might break them down for us. Um, Dimmy, of the, the 75 million? No, no, I'm getting, no, I'm getting to the 75 million in a minute. <laughs> um, restaurants have blacklisted 38,000 diners in, in the last 12 months. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it is, but you, know, you, can, you can get serial, like it's, it's not all individuals, obviously, like uh, you could possibly be blacklisted from two or, two or three, so you'll find those serial offenders, as you were mentioning before. If you're booking five or six different places and each restaurant is then turning that customer off, I mean, it's it's quite difficult for us to say unique people, but I would say that, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely evidence that the restaurants are using this tool, um, and it's something that they've needed for a while. 38,000 people. Or, or or instances blacklistings, yeah. blacklistings in the last year. That's ex- uh, sorry, a, a year, and it, this is up uh, over three thousand since um, the data was released a year ago. This is an extraordinary number. It, it is, and I guess I guess it just points more to the the epidemic. Um, yeah. It shows how how much it is hurting the restaurant owners. Um, I mean, if you talk to any restaurant owner, they will all tell you the exact same story. It's, it's difficult to fill your restaurant. You're working on low margins. It's not something that they want to do. But at the end of the day, having empty tables on your Saturday night, uh, it just it just hurts them this much. I'm making the assumption that if it's a popular restaurant on a high street in a in a suburb, that uh, that table will probably be taken up by a walk-in um, because restaurants have walk-ins, and there's you know very few restaurants will book at 100% capacity. Um, but you know that if you're a restaurant in a that needs to be found in in a suburb that's not known for its restaurants, so people actually have to make the effort to get in their car and get to your get an Uber or whatever it might be, um, that that is where it's hitting the the hip pocket the most. Yeah, I would I would imagine so as well. Like I mean, when you look at the amount of restaurants we have in Australia, you've got ten to twenty thousand of them. They can't all be on a high street. Um, so yeah, more and more these days with rent prices going up, the, the restaurant owners are looking to buy in less popular areas, but, um, but then make sure they market it better and make sure they do book those restaurants and they're, they're using all their social media tools and their marketing tools to get, uh, to get customers to come there. So if they do have an empty table, you're absolutely right. The walk-ins just aren't there to cover it. It's it, it's staggering these numbers, and I want to. We're going to keep you for a bit, uh, Jared. We just we've got to keep this station alive with some community service announcements. But um, uh, we're going to pop you just back onto hold for a minute, and we'll um, we'll come back to you because uh, no I want to talk. I want to explore this number of seventy five million dollars a year because when you consider the contribution to our industry um, or the contribution to our economy that our industry makes. $75 million is a hell of a lot of money. Jared Chapman is the general manager of Dimi. He is staying with us. Bonjour, I am Gabriel Gatte. You are listening to Cravings with Peter Dillon on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. You are indeed with Tad Lombardo and myself, Pete Dillon. This is Cravings. I'm... Back in the studio, it's kind of yes, fun being back in, in Melbourne just for the day. Hey, um, we're speaking with Jared Chapman. He's the general manager of Dimmy, which is an online booking service about this incredible amount of uh, of blacklistings that are occurring on the restaurant side of people who are just fed up with diners not showing up to um, a restaurant booking, particularly those smaller businesses that are reliant upon those bookings. Um Jared, Tad and I were just talking. I want to get to this. This is costing the industry um, 
in the vicinity of $75 million a year. Break that number down for me because it's an extraordinary number. Well, if you if you quickly divide it by the number of restaurants potentially in Australia, and it's it's, it's quite hard to find the exact number, but if you're if you're putting it around fifteen thousand restaurants in Australia, um, obviously it comes down to a to a per restaurant level. Um, yep. So if you're looking at five thousand dollars per restaurant per year, it really it breaks down very very quickly. Um, and you can imagine five thousand dollars per restaurant um, losing losing that amount of money is it's quite a lot. Um, it hurts them quite a bit, and it adds up very very quickly for the industry. It's also not just the loss of that individual cover, though, too. It's also the fact that that restaurant has a, a certain staffing level that they have to maintain um, based on the reservation numbers. It's the wastage of food that might not be served, but pre-prepared. Um, and also the the loss of beverage sales, which don't come into anything un- until the, the guest is seated and, and you know, being served. True. So you, mm. it's, it's so much more than just a, an individual cover. And uh, it just seems to be a lack of respect in a lot of sense that yeah. that people yeah, feel and when you, yeah yeah um and and it's 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 i i think you know a lot of people feel that especially certain more more famous restaurants that get a lot of attention and and you well, know they that, have a celebrity chef involved with yeah it, that perception that restaurants are, are rolling in money uh, exactly you know and i think the, the stats actually show even with those those more higher profile restaurants the the profit margins are still only five ten percent when you look at, at everything best. yeah mm. Jared, um, I've, I've got a list here of some of the, the excuses, um, uh, and it's one particular restaurant in Sydney, but we're going to use this because I'm sure that these are all um, quite similar. One is, um, we booked two restaurants as we couldn't decide, and now we'd like to cancel our reservation with you. Um, I, that's a lack of courtesy to me. I thought mm. we were better mannered than that. Yeah, it's it's always tough. I mean, there's, there's the excuses where you kind of have a have a forehead slapping moment you just kind of think why um but there are legitimate ones as well uh, like I, the, I guess the, no matter the dog ate my homework sort of stuff though is it <laughs> yeah it is a little bit um but but either way at the end of the day no matter no matter what the reason or whatever the excuse is the um i'm, I'm sure the restaurant owners don't really mind uh, it's still an empty table for them and it's still hurting them so exactly I mean, uh, this is it's just a big call out that we're trying to do we're trying to educate our consumers we're trying to help our restaurants out a little trying to say hey guys if you can't make a booking if you've booked online all you have to do is just jump in your email which these days everyone has them on their phone yeah. it takes about 10 seconds to cancel it and then the restaurant owner, i'm sure would appreciate it there's no social awkwardness anymore either um you don't have to worry about having that that weird conversation down the phone we've got to try and make up an excuse um simply so. you do it online i mean it's uh, um yeah. <laughs> I want to ask our listeners, because we, we have a, quite a broad cross-section of people who join us every week, Tad, um, yep. to let us know, what's the best excuse for getting out of a restaurant booking that you've heard? Um, and you can send us a message, 0427-JOY949, if you like to use the text. Same way you could cancel a reservation. Uh, 1300-JOY949, if you would like to call to cancel your reservation today. Or you can email <laughs> on air at joy.org.au if you'd like to email the cancellation of your reservation. But tell us, what is the best excuse for getting out of a restaurant booking that you've heard? It may be your own. I don't know. You can... Um, <laughs> You can be anonymous if you like as well. Uh, Jared Chapman is the general manager of Dimmy, the online booking service. Jared, um, let's talk about some demographics here because there are particular suburbs or particular places where there are a higher number of blacklisted folk than in others. Um, I think the top five I have, or the top six, no top five I have, uh, Sydney, Surfers Paradise, Melbourne, Darlinghurst and Surrey Hills. 
Would this perhaps suggest that um, those areas may be uh, more populated with um, the foodie folk, or some might like to call them wankers, um, <laughs> and uh, that this is sort of kind of the, um, the 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 scourge of a modern society? I know it sounds a bit like a first world problem, but for restaurants it's not. Um, that these particular suburbs sort of top the list? Uh, it's, it's interesting when you look at it on a suburb level. I mean, I, I know personally the suburbs you just mentioned are just very, very highly densely populated with restaurants. So, it, I mean, I, I would say the data is probably skewed a little towards where the restaurants are. Um, I, I don't imagine too much that it's we're trying to put everyone in a category. I don't think you would say it's a category Sorry, of Sorry, I shouldn't people. call them wankers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be um, certain people, and I don't think they fall into any sort of like trend or demographic that just don't appreciate how much they are hurting the restaurants. Um, so, so, yeah, like, the way the, the suburbs you just named, I, I think they're just highly densely populated with, um, with restaurants, and then, therefore, they're going to be higher on the list when it comes to no-shows as well. Yeah, I'm going to challenge that thought for a minute because if I look at these suburbs, uh, there's one, two, three within what is considered the Sydney CBD. Um, Melbourne probably has more restaurants per capita than Sydney. There is only Melbourne as a CBD. It doesn't bring in South Melbourne, St Kilda, or any of the sort of the, the close yeah. suburbs, Fitzroy, Carlton. Um, so I would, I, I wonder, and this is a, another assumption, maybe Melbourne people are a bit more courteous than those in our uh, north of the border. Um, I, I would say potentially, but I mean Melbourne has always <laughs> been more of a uh, more of a booking. Uh, I know that they, they kind of hit the restaurant industry and they always had a, a big restaurant boom earlier than Sydney did. So uh, potentially it's just that the customers are a bit more educated down there. Um, mm. Maybe over time they've kind of got used to cancelling the booking if they, they weren't able to make it, um, whereas Sydney might be a little bit behind on that front. So that, that could be a factor as well. Jared, is there a solution, and I, I would like to pose a solution, that um, I mentioned at the top of the program. There was a restaurant open in Melbourne called Prefix. Um, it didn't last, but one of the ideas with Prefix was it, you would buy a ticket to the restaurant like you would buy a plane ticket or a theatre yep. ticket or a concert ticket. You pay for it there and then, and then you go to the restaurant and you enjoy the experience. Is there, um, and I know we used to do it back in the 80s, um, is there a way that we would actually, for every booking, there is a credit card number taken, and if you become a no-show, your credit card is charged, and that becomes the terms and conditions under which this industry operates? Yeah, absolutely, and, and Dimmy does have that facility, um, and we, we do educate our restaurants that they are able to use that if they would like. Um, I think it's it's always a challenge that, I mean, for, for the ticket option, uh, it's the balance between making sure that you don't get no-shows, but also that you get a full restaurant as well. Um, I mean, unless every single restaurant in Australia did it, customers would still have a choice to go to a restaurant that didn't do that. Mm. Um, so it's just it's going to take time to eradicate it completely. Um, you can flip switches and throw out ideas, and I mean, I've been reading uh, a bit of the responses or a few of the responses to, to this press, um, and people people are saying like, "Yep, yeah, everyone should just do it like tickets," but that's always difficult when you choose different items on the menu. So unless all restaurants now go to set menu, but, yeah. but if, if there was a out. you know, if you if you do not show for this booking, there will be a cancellation fee of you know one hundred dollars per 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 cover per head. 
or, mm-hmm. or eighty dollars yeah. per head or seventy dollars per head. So at least by doing that, you can cover the costs of of having staff on. Because if you if you are a small restaurant, let's say a forty seater in the burbs, um, your average spend per head is a hundred bucks, and you you know that you're booked forty people on Friday night. If you get three tables, don't show. Um, that could be twenty five percent of your income for the night. So yeah, I, I I would go with this, yeah. you know, what what what's seventy five bucks a head if you don't show. I would just say restaurants are scared a little. Uh, there's probably the fear that if you, if again, like you're saying that some of these suburbs they have like five or six restaurants. If you've got one or two that are throwing down this credit card, um, like kind of guarantee, um, then customers are therefore just going to book the ones that don't have the credit card guarantee. So I'd say that's a fear for restaurant owners to adopt it. I know on Valentine's Day a lot of restaurants do it. Um, just based on the fact that every restaurant is packed out, so every restaurant yeah. is doing it. Therefore, Mother's Day, Christmas Day, Father's yeah. Day, yeah. choose the day, but that's that's how it operates on those busy days. So um, maybe we need to, to start educating the industry itself that this is a way around it. I don't know whether it can be driven by the Restaurant and Catering Association or, or, or one of those major bodies that supports the industry. But certainly it yeah. does make sense, Tad. Yeah, and I think, too, whenever you have a situation where you're trying to change a human behavior, it's always difficult. And I think it's really brave of you guys to be doing that in the first place because, mm. you know, it, it's it's something that will, will catch on because, it, like you, like the, the press reads, it's an endemic problem. Um, just wondering, though, the, those restaurants that you have, is there, are there any statistics that indicate a restaurant that charges ahead of time, you know, does any better or worse off? from a reservations point of view than one that does not? You know, like, the do more you... popular restaurants are more comfortable doing it because they're, they're already at the point where they're at capacity. But when, when they do turn these on, they don't, they don't lose much of that customer base yeah. anyway. Like, and, and they're being booked out so far in advance that if it's slowed down bookings at all, they're still seeing those, those full services. Right. Um, so for them, it has completely eradicated it, which is great. Sadly, though, like not every restaurant is in that situation, so they're not they're not able to just flick a switch and completely fix the problem. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right in the sense that it is a matter of educating the industry, and that's, I guess, a big part of what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate restaurants to say, like, hey, guys, this is an option if you want to start working your way down this path by potentially doing a Friday or Saturday. Um, yep. And then we're trying to educate the community as well and saying, hey, guys, like, just, just cancel. It hurts the restaurant industry. Like, it's, it's not hard. No, that's right. And, and have you had? has there been a lot of backlash um, since this has hit the... The, the, the press and everything, um, you know, ha, has there been a lot of backlash from that point of view from the general public that, that this is happening, or what's the feedback been? I mean, not really. I mean, if you think about it, what, what are you going to say? Hey, I didn't show up for my booking, so therefore you're being unfair. Um, I think some people would one. think that, unfortunately. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, potentially, but uh, we, we haven't heard any of it really, no. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, we, we haven't seen that. Yeah, we, we haven't seen that consumers are just up in arms saying, hey, I, I didn't show up for, for my booking. I took $500 out of a restaurant's pocket, therefore, um, like, this is unfair. So we, yeah. we haven't seen too much of that. Mm. That's good. I, th- I think there are solutions, and Jared, I think as the industry, we probably need to put some heads together around the table and come up with what those solutions may be, because we $75 million is an extraordinary number for, of a hit for the industry each year. Mate, we're really grateful for your time for joining us today. No, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. If there was a, a message that you wanted to get out to finish with that you uh, would like our audience to, to take on board, what would that be? No, I just appreciate what the, what the restaurants are trying to do. Uh, um, as you guys have said, uh, they, they work hard. They try and look after you. So um, it's a little bit of common courtesy goes a long way. It does indeed. Jared Chapman is the general manager of Dimmy, the online reservation service. Uh, Jared, thank you for your time. Cheers, guys.
uh, fascinating conversation to have, and one and I think the industry so. needs to have because um, in in some ways by not sh- creating an, an initial charge fee or yep. or something when you do book, you are almost the industry could almost be seen as being responsible for creating this beast in Absolutely. the first place because it's been allowed to slip for so long. Some sponsor announcements, and uh, we've got some discussions to have in a little while around um, the the very heart of our industry and and the the cross section of the queer community yep. with hospitality and how that has happened over the last uh, hundred or so years. Tad and I are going to start that conversation today, and we'll um, we'll we'll sort of bring in some people over the next yep. little while. It'll be a series of different to help um, us continue as well. Shows, yeah. Uh, it's 19 degrees. We're heading for just 21 today. I'm feeling cold. Uh, <laughs> you're on Cravings on Joy 94.9. It's 27 minutes past one. Cravings will be back shortly, so don't go too far. But if you do miss anything, you'll hear it on the Cravings podcast at joy.org.au forward slash cravings via iTunes or your favourite podcast site. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic... Italian experience, pasta, wine, seafood, steak, and so much more. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663-6102. Visit laspaghettata.com.au or find them on Facebook. You are on Cravings here on Joy 94.9. Tad Lombardo and Pete Dillon taking you through until 2 o'clock. Tad, um, interesting discussion that you and I had in the week. And yes. uh, I think this, um, I'd like you to go on a, a bit of a journey for me. Total journey, yeah. Um, one of the things I think it's important to um, to talk about are things that, that really aren't necessarily talked about out there. Um, and one of the things that I'm, I'm interested in, and we've talked about our shared interest in this, is, is trying to explore how gay culture intersects with the food culture. You know, we, we know how gay culture intersects with visual arts performing arts it's it's out there it's Mm -hmm. celebrated but i don't necessarily and i I could be completely wrong about this and i'm happy to be corrected but i don't see a lot of that celebration in the food world necessarily look you're absolutely right i think it's always been considered that our industry has a certain uh proportion of 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 queer folk men and women lesbians and gays who who run restaurants that happens now yeah and if we think back to some of our our guests over the last few years there's been quite a few um who are who are gay and lesbian who are chefs and restaurant owners and if we look at people like chrissy manfield and and some of those very well-known chefs who are gay kylie kong is is another good example uh in sydney but i think in melbourne there's a there's an interesting uh journey that we want to go on over the next couple of months where we're going to keep sort of exploring this story from from various places graham willett is uh an academic from the University of Melbourne uh, and yep. um, has worked for a long time with the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives Yes, with, with ALGA. Um, I know in a number of years ago he, he put out a, a book called The Secret Side of... Um, I think it's The Secret Side of Melbourne. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, look at um, Melbourne's queer history yep. going back to, to the late 1800s and, and even yeah. beforehand. And I know I had a chat with Fiona Sweetman, who's been another guest on this program. Um, she runs Secret Walking Tours in yep. Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going to do something a couple of years ago for Midsummer where we actually did a walking tour of Melbourne oh, okay. yep. looking at some of those buildings yep. that once housed... Um, places for people to hang out and those places were um i think there's some very interesting descriptions of of um 
what we were called because they uh yeah and 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 it's all part of the history of melbourne as well it's yeah. not just you know for our community it's 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 part of the, the greater realm of things i think i'll, I'll read you a bit of the secret histories of queer yeah. melbourne by uh, graham willis and he says um beyond the proud civic architecture the boulevards the parks and gardens there is a melbourne less visible less celebrated but no less marvelous from the earliest days, men who loved men and women who loved women, sodomites and spinsters, camps and gays and lesbians, queers of all kind, have made the city their own, giving it a vibrant history. So that's talking about um, the secret yeah. queer history of Melbourne. And I think you, you raise a really interesting point. Back when I was was doing my apprenticeship in the 80s, yeah. there, was, um, uh, there was quite a... a community of, of, of poofs and lesbians yep. um, who, who ran restaurants or who were chefs. It was quite common to, to meet a gay chef. And it seems, and I was having this conversation not so long ago, and I, I don't know who with, but sure. um, where the tide has turned a little and there seems to be a, you know, there's so many more chefs who are married. And some of the guys I was hanging out with when yep. I was an apprentice who are now very well known. Yeah. Um, I've seen a shift in them as well, where they've gone from potentially gay to straight, or maybe they sit somewhere in the middle. Maybe they're yeah. bi. It's it's interesting that um, the the industry has become far more heteronormative in in some senses. Right. And and I think sometimes too, it um, and again, you know, is it a situation where because a lot of kitchens are still very you know, kind of straight male dominated and, and well, male dominated, or male dominated. Yeah, mm. definitely. And, and, um, but, but what I mean is it, it's, it's, is it still not okay to come out as being gay if you're working in that environment? No, I, uh, I, I certainly don't think so. I, I think our industry is, is incredibly altruistic. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Our industry is a very kind industry and supports, I agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, supports this particular program as well. Definitely. Um, but you know, there's the likes of Jerry Mai, and and yeah, yeah. you know, there's we we've got quite an identity within yep. uh, within our restaurant community. But it'd be interesting to to explore this a little more. I'm looking forward to to where we're going to go with it. Yeah. And I think, um, as I mentioned, Graham Will, it would be great to get in and, and talk about what he knows. I want to sort of jump into a story of um, of uh, one particular place, which is probably where we could start today. Um, Her Majesty's Hotel, which is. Uh, in, it, in South, South Yarra, yeah. um, it has a uh, a rather checkered history, yeah. you might say. Um, and if you if you have a look in South Yarra in the twenties and thirties, it was sort of you know it was all mansions on the river. And yeah. then as the sixties and seventies arrived in the last century, it became you know a lot of the, a lot of the mansions were turned into flats, and therefore. Um, a lot of unmarried people could live together yeah. as as roommates, right. I guess. Quote unquote roommates. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. Um, we've got a couple of messages already. This will be interesting. Hi, I'm struggling to understand your program. Gay culture exists throughout every facet of life, not just in the arts or hospitality industry. We are the doctors, engineers, sports personalities. We artists, we designers, or even funeral directors and pilots. Let's move beyond the gate, please. Show the way only in in the arts we're a formidable group of individuals i don't disagree with that point of view neither do i however what we want to explore is going back a hundred years the juxtaposition between our community because we needed places together definitely um like you know we've had discussions over the last little while with the closure of the greyhounds and various other um venues that that were specifically gay or lesbian yep. or, or or accepting of all um that 
when we lived underground as a community, we needed places to gather and places where we could go and feel safe That's right. and where we could identify. Um, and it certainly didn't right. happen to me. I mean, I, I grew up in, I was born in the 60s, yep. grew up in the 70s and 80s in, in an industry that was always accepting of, of difference. Um, but I think having an exploration about how our food culture was defined back then, I'm not talking so much about now. I mean, it's, I, I take the it's point different. of that, uh, that correspondent that yep. now, you know, we're, we are everywhere. We are engineers and doctors and sports people. But going back to the places where we needed to get together, um, always undercover where homosexuality was illegal and that's prosecutable. Right. And that's not, no, not a word, is it? No, it would is. be prosecuted. Yeah. Um, you know, there are places like Val's Cafe in the, in the 1950s, and yep. Val herself was um, was a lesbian, and, and it was a place you could go and you knew that you would be amongst other like-minded people Safe. without having to identify. Right. That's right. But it's also a step further than that, too, as far as our food industry is concerned. It's, it's how does that intersection of, of the culture translate to a dish or translate to service front of house, you, you know, cause it does. Mm. And, and it would have a, 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 a distinct um, effect on that. Um, and I think that's the sort of thing too, what that'd be interesting to look at and, and to see and, and see how that, ha- how that, mm. how that, how that translates to it, you know? And, and yes, there are certain industries, obviously, you know, where stereotypes come into it, you know, like airlines, you know, pretty mm. much every, male flight attendants that assumed that, that he assumed would be gay, be gay you know correct. um every male dancer is assumed to be yeah gay. exactly mm. um and 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 that's not necessarily right and anyway but it's but it's just um mm. it's just trying to 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 find out if there's a connection and and how it's influenced um you know just in the same way that um you know when we had italian immigration starting you know a lot of the food translated to mm. that you know or greek or whatever it is so it's just trying to find that can, link can we put queer in a plate do you think possibly Hmm. I, I don't think know. so. We'll, I, we'll, we'll sure find that, we that out, though. It's something we want to explore. Yeah. And it's, um, I, do, I really want to go back to that correspondent who said, because they haven't left us a name, but yep. the person who sent us that text message who sort of states that they they know we are everywhere and, and we know we are everywhere. But it's, it's, I think from an historical perspective, would our industry have been different if mm-hmm. homosexuality wasn't illegal? Um, yeah. Would would there more more places have been have, have proliferated because of um, you know the very broad acceptance of, of well, an LGBT community? That's right, and I think too. Again, with all due respect to the to the comment, I, I don't disagree with that too. But I also think that um, tolerance and acceptance are two different things. Yes. And we are not 100% <laughs> accepted, because if we were, we'd have 100% equality. So that's uh, something yes. that's not happened. So There we go. Yeah. We will take a break, have some community service announcements, and return to continue this discussion, Tad and I, around uh, how the queer culture affects our food culture. It's 18 minutes to 2 on Cravings on Joy 94.9. Hi, I'm Manny Fildel, and you are with Pete Dillon on Cravings on Joy 94.9. Manu, and with Tad as well, remember. Uh, it is a quarter to two. You're on Cravings here on Joy 94.9, 18 degrees, heading for top of 21 today. It's it's mighty chilly out there. It would be for you. Mm. You've come south of the border. I haven't had a day less than 30 <laughs> degrees, I think. Uh, there was a record broken in Brisbane the other day, and we're north of Brisbane, but there was a record yep. broken in Brisbane. Uh, 27 conde- consecutive days over 30 degrees. Really? 27? Yeah, yeah. and amazing. then there's another one in northern New South Wales, right. which got to something like 51 days above 30 degrees in a particular place. I think it was Texas, oh, um, okay. which is a town yep. in, in, in northern New yep. South Wales. Quite alarming. I am quite chilly coming back just for the day. Oh, don't start. <laughs> you, uh, we were talking, and we and we will continue this discussion over the next little while about yeah. 
the interception or the intersection of the queer community with food and and we had somebody rightly respond to us and say look you know we are everywhere and doctors lawyers sports people hospitality yep. arts the works but i think that what we want to explore is is very much the history and and i did mention uh, her majesty's in in south yarra um it's being developed into 11 luxury apartments yeah. or, or something like that. But back in the 60s, um, it was known colloquially as, as Maisie's. It was the, the camp name for the bloke who ran the pub, yeah. who was, was a gay fella. Um, it was a very trendy sort of place, and the beautiful, beautiful people were starting to gather, and they weren't, all, they weren't disconcerted about mixing in this, the same circle as, as queer people because right. it sort of made them feel a bit trendy and yeah. liberal. Um, but uh, there were still two separate spaces within Her Majesty's in the 60s, the campsite right. and the straight side. So those that didn't want to um, <laughs> be associated <laughs> with the, the the queer side could sort of hang in the still straight do. part yep. of the pub, which it's sort of um, uh, the back in the 60s. I think if you look historically where we're living in a... Um, you know, it was starting to emerge from the shadows of the repression of the 50s sure. and, and, and those decades that came beforehand where... Uh, homosexuality was starting to be going to yep. tolerate it, I think, certainly right. more than accepted. But, um, you know, that that's one example, I think, of of the spaces where people would gather. And I think if you look today where we need much less of a space to gather because of the inclusion and right. acceptance of our community everywhere, that... It must have been incredibly brave for, I think, the business owners. Definitely. Val's Cafe, I mentioned, was down in Swanson Street. It was in the 50s. Yeah. Um, there are other places, when I was talking to Fiona Sweetman back in the 20s, that were um, that were cafes, and there were certain ways that they would identify the fact right. that they would welcome a, a gay and lesbian presence. Um, Flinders Street Station used to be a beat. Right, yeah. And- uh, way back. And obviously, even before that, mm. it would have been underground. Uh, yeah. You know that that it just wasn't you know accepted at all um, un- until people start taking mm. a bit more of a, a, of I guess a chance or or a bit of a responsibility and and wanting to um, to make it a bit more normalized. If that's mm. the right word, and I mean nobody wants to be normal, but you know, oh God no, I don't know, but how terribly dull, <laughs> exactly. But you know, when you're talking about that viewpoint of of people being mm. accepting of other people that might be slightly different um that that's what i'm I'm referring to i'm really i'm really excited that we're going to talk to graham willard about this because he does has done a lot of research Research, on um not just the obvious parts of our queer culture but certainly the the more subversive parts and i think that's where food or not so much food but the food industry i did ask before whether um whether we can put queer on a plate i'm i'm I don't know that we can. I don't know that there is. I don't know that something that that a, a gay chef puts on a plate is any different to what a straight chef puts on the plate. Yeah. Um, because I don't think we can claim to be any more creative or any more. You know, you look at some of the the, the great chefs of the world. They're, they're predominantly, I won't say all of them, but if you look at the top fifty chefs in the world, yeah, I'd say forty five of those chefs are married, right, uh, to yeah. women. Sure. Uh, because there's very few women yeah. in that in that that list. So. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest that that we as a community can claim to be any more creative or any better as chefs. Oh no 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 not at all. Mm. I, I wouldn't suggest. No that no. So I'm sort of going. I'm, I'm flipping to the other yeah. side. So whether we can express our sexuality on a plate, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm not 100 percent convinced mm. either. But um, I guess we'll find that out. <laughs> we we are going to, and I'm sure that our audience is going to listen. Is going to let us know as well. 
Sorry, I'm driving using voice to text. I think you answered it well. I think it's really important that we don't limit ourselves. I'm a scientist and I go boxing. I don't prescribe necessarily to the gay world. And I think it's important that other people out there can freely be themselves without having to feel like they're odd or different. That is the, the, the perfect example of yeah. exactly what we've been trying to say. Yeah. Um, where we did feel odd and different, um, and we weren't accepted in a, in a broader community yeah. by families and those sorts of things. I'm not talking about you and I. I'm talking about generations. That yeah, yeah, of course. Back in in the early 1900s and beyond, um, you know, not everybody, not every gay man likes Kylie. I don't. Okay. Uh, you know, not don't every, say anything bad about Kylie. No, oh, I, don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm I not a big fan of Madonna. I don't like Barbara Streisand. You don't I'm like not, chocolate either. But that's I don't okay. like chocolate. You know, <laughs> I don't think any of that makes me any less of a pulp. Not I at still all. like men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's oddly <good>. enough. Um, <laughs> so I think there is a, a sense that that our industry could have been shaped by some very very yeah. flamboyant people. And I look back to, again, if we go back to the 70s, the the likes of Bernard King. I think there is a fine example of somebody who was on Australian television, yep. who was, I think everybody on Australian television in the 70s was um, was, was camp. Um, oh, there's a text message that is just question marks. Um, I don't think everybody who was on, I think anybody who was on TV in the 70s was yeah. camp. I don't think that, uh, that we need to explain that. But certainly um, there was a... An understanding, I suppose. Yeah. Even when I went into the industry in, in the very early 80s, I um, told my father I wanted to be a chef. He sort of accepted that. Yeah. He didn't accept 10 years before that when I told him I wanted to be a dancer. Right. No. That was a no. Yeah. No. Um, so it's, 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 quite, um, it's quite intriguing, I think, to, to be able to, to explore um, what, what, what our past was and how our past yeah. evolved and the influence of our industry in that past. Mm. Yeah, it'll it'll be a good way to to just see where it takes us, and we don't have a yeah. defined and look, there isn't path. A, and we will talk to some some industry luminaries. We're yep. going to have a chat to, um, if we can, Tony Tan. Yes, who's been around the industry for a very long time. Tony's a wonderful fellow. Yeah, we should try and talk to Elizabeth Chong again. Yeah, definitely. Because mm, she was around in the fifties. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy ninety four point nine. We will return. Uh, we won't be here next Saturday no. because there is a very special broadcast coming to you from Mardi Gras uh, from Sydney so uh, Tad and I are having the day off yeah that'd be nice um, and we, we return the following week and I think we have a day off again the next the following week, week. Yep. so you know we might pop in once or twice yeah. in the next month and say hello to you uh, thanks for your company today always good to have you with us and Tad thank you for your company thank you for coming in all the way from uh, Noosa. all the way from Noosa to yeah. do this show with you thank it's you. kind of me isn't it <laughs> yeah. um, we will be back uh, in two weeks enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend wherever you're eating make sure you eat well and if you do make a reservation for heaven's sake make sure you turn up yes just a bit of courtesy or at least ring to say you're not coming uh, we need to say thanks to Jared Chapman from Dimmy who joined us earlier in the program as well. That's it from us. We'll leave you with them. Thanks for listening to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and 
so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663-6102. Visit laspaghettata.com.au or find them on Facebook. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.